0: That's terrible. All right, please turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter twelve. Hebrews chapter twelve. You know, discipline has changed over the years. I was reading something this uh, just yesterday about the differences. Back in the day, discipline with spankings, switches, and you better be a green one, and kneeling in the corner till you understood what you did wrong. Today, children are sitting in time out, and I saw one website that even was teaching parents to ignore their children's bad behavior because it would just go away. And so discipline has changed over our period of just a few decades. But today we're going to be talking about the discipline of the Lord which changes not and it's it's going to be a wonderful journey. Let's jump into God's word together. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 4 through 11 says this. You have not resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines... And he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom the father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good so that we may share his holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness." Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And Father, I pray this morning that you'll speak to us. That you will make your word clear. And that, Father, that each one of us in the journey and where we're at, that you will apply this to our lives. And I pray, Father, that as you lead us and speak to us about the things going on in our life, that we'll quickly receive what you have to say and run toward you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning as we look at discipline, we will discuss our our uh, our resistance. We're going to talk about our ability to remember, and we're going to see in the end our sonship. And so we are told to resist. We have a responsibility to resist sin. Sin is kind of a mystery for the Christian, isn't it? How can we, who have come into a relationship with Christ, have understood what it cost Him, understood some of the details and facts about the cross, even consider participating in it for the sake of love of Christ? Yet we participate in it sometimes very casually. Well, that's no big deal. It's just not going to hurt anybody but me. And even though we're aware of it, we choose to pain in it. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. How can we engage it in so casually? So how do you resist it? You know, we're told that we've not yet resisted to the point of shedding of blood and are striving against sin. You know, when we think about that, how many of you, when you hear that phrase, think about Jesus in the garden? Did anybody think about that? That's where I thought about some of the pressure and the angst he was under and knowing what lied before him. <clears throat> and the interesting part of that is um, when he talks about uh, resisting to the point of sweat, sweating blood drops. When Jesus was faced with our sin, that's what he did. In praying that night, he sweated drops of blood. And see, sin takes place in our lives when we listen to the wrong voices. We listen to the voices of ourselves, when we listen to the voices of the enemy, when we listen to the voices of the world, instead of the voices of the Lord and the Holy Spirit. Right? Right? And but it's so appealing, it's so attractive, it's so it fits for the moment. And he addresses their resistance. You know, so how do we resist sin? You know, we often talk about you know that we are to, we talk about resisting the devil, right? Isn't that a common phrase? Talk about submit to the Lord and resist the devil and he'll flee from you. But how do we resist sin? Well, we're to watch and pray. We're to keep our eyes open, ladies and gentlemen, because we have an enemy. Matthew 26, 41 and Matthew 6, 13, which will not be on the screen because I did not provide those to James because we're not going to be reading them today. Tell us that we are to watch and pray. We're to pay attention. And sometimes sin, uh, uh, temptation and sin is discerned only through prayer. So we watch and pray. We have to know our own flesh. Romans 7, 21-23 and James 1, 14-16 talks about knowing our flesh and how our flesh patterns work. We talked a little bit about that. We introduced the subject of flesh this morning and how we can have good flesh and bad flesh. You know, we all know we all know what bad flesh looks like, right? For Somebody who steals, lies, murders, those kind of things. But good flesh steals life away as well. Let me explain How? Well, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm moral and I follow the golden rule and I do try to treat others the way I want them to treat me, then I should expect a certain result. And I'm doing that out of a self-effort. And I'm doing it because I want to feel good about myself, but there's no life in it. It's not the spirit of God within me. It's the spirit of self righteousness. And so I can go and donate my time and hope everybody sees it. You know, John asked a question on one Wednesday night, and I sat there and I answered in my head. I didn't answer out loud. He said, Can you share the gospel selfishly? And I thought, How's that even possible? But then someone answered and and gave a great answer. If I'm sharing the gospel so their life would change because it'll make things better for me, that's a selfish sharing. So even doing things for God from selfish motives or selfish ambitions is sin. Because it's about me. It's not about God. And so we have to know our own flesh. You know, different won't We have different... Don't we have different issues? Different things that we're susceptible to? There are some people who would never understand the areas that you're prone to. I mean, I, we could talk about food. We all like different food. We all like different things. We learn different ways of coping with life that makes sense to us, that makes our life better. Instead of trusting the Lord to handle that. We've got to handle it so that it doesn't come against us. It's flesh. It's not of God. We're not called to that, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not called to fix my problems. I'm called to surrender them to the Lord and apply his word and the direction of the spirit to that. Because maybe what's going on is not what you see. Maybe what's happening behind the scenes. Have you ever been... Anybody here ever been misunderstood? (laughs) That's the most reaction I've had on morning. (laughs) Is it possible that we misunderstand what other people are doing too? We don't really know why. You know, I don't know what's going on. But it seems like today that I've run into more and more individuals that want to tell me why I did something and then correct the reasons that I did it that they assume that have to be that way. I don't get it. And I'm going to tell you this, 100% of the time they've been wrong about why I did what I did. 100%. Nobody's nailed it. Now I'll tell you this, when I engage the Holy Spirit, He nails it every time. 100% also. (laughs) And so we have to know our own flesh. We're supposed to, we're supposed to flee. 2 Timothy 2.22 tells us to flee. Run away. We don't run into situations where we would be tempted. We're we know and quote scripture, Matthew 4, 5 through 7. Now, there used to be a thing back in the day. And I got sucked into this too and I shared it. You put that, You may have heard this. Well, if you struggle with a particular sin, memorize the scripture on that sin so that you can quote it. when you, you ever, you ever, Anybody ever been sucked into that? You know the problem with that is what's leading our scripture memory? Our sin is instead of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. So I'm not going to let sin lead in my life because if I'm in love with Jesus, that's not even an option anymore. I could care less about it when I'm focused on Him. How can you focus on Him and care about sin at the same time? You can't. It feeds the flesh. It does. Does sin feed the spirit? No. Y'all are quiet. You know, the harder you are, the longer I go. <laughs> Says my wife. <laughs> so, no and quote scripture. Jesus, that's what Jesus did. Know this, there's always a way of escape. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There's always a way of escape. His name is Jesus. And so are you striving against sin? Are we treating it casually and just letting it happen? Well, Jesus, it's all covered. It's all covered. You know, how many of you... (laughs) This I never. This just came to me. How many of you, when you, if somebody says, "Let's go out, I'll pay the bill," when they're paying the bill, you look on there and try to find you order appetizers and the most expensive thing, and then dessert, and and all, that would be considered a little bit rude, wouldn't it? So why do we think when Jesus has it covered, it's okay for us to rack the bill up? We wouldn't do it to each other. We consider that rude. Why isn't it rude to him? I never thought of that. It just came to me. You know what we do? We order the chicken salad. <laughs> and, we, and, and we order something that's more reasonable. Or if the other person is paying, you let them order first so you can kind of order under them. Right? Y'all, come on. <laughs> We all don't act like we don't talk about, we don't talk about these things, but this is the truth. So we're going to talk about, always talk about the truth here. Amen? Amen. So we do that. So if you want appetizers and you're buying, you have to order them. If I'm coming with you. (laughs) Because I won't do it. That's the way it should be. Let's not rack up the bill on Jesus. And so are we striving against sin to the point of shedding blood? We're to resist it. And so he begins with this idea that we're allowing, we're making some allowances for sin, right? Because of that, that's the groundwork. Because of that, there's a discipline that comes from the Lord. He talks about remembering. See, They had forgotten. They had forgotten the instruction. We're told that that they had forgotten the exhortation addressed to, we've forgotten the exhortation addressed to us as sons. We're all children of God. And the exhortation has been left behind. You know, we all forget things. We forget things all the time, don't we? Anybody here forget appointments? Birthdays? Thank you. Birthdays, anybody forget birthdays? That's where the word belated came from. <laughs> Don't know that? Belated, no. because we forgot. We forget birthdays and anniversaries. Sometimes we forget even why we walked into the kitchen. Now, it's gotten worse these last years for me. There's times I've stood up from the couch and wondered why I stood up. I didn't even get to the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And so we do forget. But here they had forgotten the exhortation that he gave to them. And so he reminds them. He reminds them to not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. Don't dismiss it. When God, God is gentle with us when he brings correction. He's gentle when we listen. You know, parents, when your kids listen to what you say, all you have to do is kind of tell them what to do, right? And they'll do it. You say, no, you shouldn't do that, or you shouldn't participate in that, or you shouldn't, you know, you don't run with scissors. (laughs) And then when we keep running with scissors, because they don't want us to fall on the scissors and stab ourselves all the way through... The correction will come harder so that the worst thing doesn't happen, right? Kids, listen up. Listen to your parents. Obey them. They love you. Your parents are one of the few people in this world that would probably give their life for you. And so the things they're telling you is to keep you from something worse. They're not trying to make your life... Your, your parents want you to have a better life than them. Don't you, parents? Right? And you do everything in your power to give them a better life than you had. Talk to parents. Well, I'm not going to do that because I know where that leads. I'm going I'm to steer my children this way. And that's the way it works. So don't regard lightly. Oh, you know, God is you know, he's I'm kind of getting convicted about that, but you know, I'll deal with that later. Or I know I shouldn't talk that way or act that way or say those things or think those things or participate in that. Or yeah, I know I should do this, but he you know, I'll get around to it. You know, I I knew at church it's <clears throat> a good idea, Stephen. That printed up these little discs and they wrote T-U-I-T on it. And they gave everybody one. It was around to it. So now you can get around to it. You don't have to wait any longer. It's a true story. And so he reminds them, don't regard, don't just don't dismiss it. Pay attention. There's a reason God's telling you to not sit in the middle of I-35. Okay? Don't faint when you're reproved by Him. Man, this is a big deal. I have seen this. I cannot tell you how many times. Well, God starts to bring conviction in their life because they're growing. When you start to grow, God, there's a process of sanctification that takes place. It's a ministry of the Holy Spirit in you. That's the purification process of coping patterns and things that we have learned how to live That don't reflect the Spirit of God. And he says, Mark, you do not have to threaten (laughs) the customer service rep to get your $3 back. (laughs) And you hear this, you hear it in your mind and in your heart, you feel like you're wrong. Do you continue justifying that or do you listen? And so now that God has realized that I've done something wrong, I want to just back away from it Because the closer I get, I'm getting correction. So when we face things in life that we don't like, we move away from it, don't we? There's a time to move away. If you visit... If you come out to our place and you hear something rattle, move away from it. (laughs) Or if it's got a white stripe down its back and it looks like a kitty cat, it's not. You think I'm kidding. I was walking in the field and this thing was going, it was coming right at me, straight at me. And I'm like, oh, I got to chill down my back. I got a yellow stripe on my back. (laughs) And when I saw it, it stopped and it looked right at me. And I went, uh-oh. And I turned and went this way and it turned and went that way too. I'm like, this is a better path. Because I don't feel like getting sprayed today. There's a time for that, but not with the Lord. Not with Him. Don't faint. Don't, when God starts to begin to work and to bring out the real you, and strip the things away that are causing the world to not see that so that he, you can be more effective and be used don't faint don't give up don't fade into existence don't hide at your house don't hide online don't hide at work well I've just got to work we've got to work all the time no you don't let me tell you let me tell you this is a truth you can write this down I've been through this myself. Anytime you don't want to come to church is the Sunday you ought to be there. Every time that I have felt that way, well, not here necessarily, but every time I've felt that way in the past, look, well, you know what? Here's the, you want honesty? There's times I wake up on Sunday morning and wish I could stay in there. Okay? That's honesty. But I don't. And every time I come, I get a blessing and so don't listen to that voice. Don't listen to the voice that says you're not good enough. You're not. You're right. Just, you know what? agree with it. Say I'm not. But Christ is. Amen. Mm-hmm. And it's about him and us. It's about him bringing the fruit out of us. Not about us making fruit and presenting it to him in a banquet of a fruit salad. He doesn't ever ask for fruit salad. He makes his own fruit. And that's what brings him joy. As we abide in Him. That's pretty good. I thought of that either. God makes His own fruit. His joy is in our abiding. And so remember, don't faint. He loves you and He will discipline you. Discipline is a sign of His love. You know, the... In Matthew. Matthew, John 15. Where the branches are producing fruit. And they move from fruit to much fruit. Do you all remember how they do that? Mm -hmm. By pruning. Mm -hmm. So. When you're going through this. The discipline. Where life seems unfair. And God is trying to speak. And you can't seem to hear Him sometimes. And it's just an issue of just trusting. And. And. Letting that grow within you. It's a beautiful moment. And it stinks at the same time. If you've ever been through it. Because he's expanding your faith. We want to be people of great faith. We would all say that. But there's a price. And so. He's going to discipline us. As a sign of his love for us. Listen. Parents. If your kids were sitting out there right now on Hottie Lane and you called them and they didn't come, would there be some discipline that would follow if they ignored you? (laughs) James says, Amen. (laughs) And Matthew said, Oh my. (laughs) There would be discipline because there's a danger there. There's a danger there. That's why we pay attention quickly so we don't have to go through that second part. Because he loves you. If you don't love somebody, you know, honestly, even if we didn't, they weren't our child and we saw a child out there, we would all run, wouldn't we? Because love demands that. It wouldn't matter. Honestly, if I saw your child out there, I'd run out there and snatch him up. And then I would deal with the relationship stuff later. (laughs) Most, Most parents would be grateful that I saved their child. But I have run into parents in the past that weren't. Because of love, causes If we don't give a rip that whatever's out there about what, let them run it over. Right? If you don't care about something, we just throw it along. We just, well, we just throw it, kind of let it, let it lay or let it decay or we don't care. Right? Isn't that how we treat it? Things we don't care about? So if God, and we wish God would treat us that way, but if he did, that means he wouldn't care. Because he loves us, he's required by his love to bring discipline. And that's part of the sanctification process. And if you, this is the one I didn't like. If he receives you, he's going to scourge you. Now, if you understand what scourging was in the New Testament, it was bad. It was bad. It was punishment. It doesn't the Bible say, All who come unto me, I will receive them? So if he receives you, well, except those who didn't have genuine faith, right? Because he knew their heart, so he did not. But if you've had genuine faith and he's received you. There could be some tough lessons. And I know you guys are so glad you came today. (laughs) But the point is, this is is part of the sanctification process so that he can express himself through us. And every bad, listen, every bad thing that happens in life is not a correction of God. Well, how could God, God could have stopped it. How could God let that happen? Wait a minute. Jesus said, in this world, you'll have troubles, but be of good cheer, I've overcome this world. If you stand for me, the world's going to hate you. If the world hated me first, it's going to hate you too. Unless they think we have nothing to do with it. That's what we say. Well, we just kind of keep it quiet. And then we wonder what's happened to the world today. We're called into this world to be salt and light, ladies and gentlemen. And you don't grind salt and light into the world. When it falls upon it, it does the work that it's meant to do. We don't need to help with that. And so, correction from the Lord is not meant to hurt us, it's meant to enable us to receive all that God has for us. Isn't that cool? We call those spiritual owies. I was telling somebody I should have named that, this sermon, spiritual owies. Because God comes, and and the beauty beauty of this is when God brings correction to you, there's hope that comes with it. There's this idea that, man, I missed out on something. There's there's not a, a grindiness under the heel of his boot. That's not how God does it. That's condemnation. You know how to discern between the Lord, the Lord's correction, and the enemy's condemnation? You all know how to do that? When the Lord corrects you, there's hope. There's Him showing you what you had missed out on. There's this relationship thought that goes on. When the enemy brings condemnation, he wants to tell you what a bad person you are and how, you, how, how could God ever use you. Do you think God would talk to you that way? We should never have a problem discerning that. If you feel like, well, everybody's more godly than me and how come this and how come that? That's not of God, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> God does not compare you to anyone. You ever thought about that? We do it all the time. We always compare ourselves to somebody else. Well, they're better looking than me. They can sing better than me. They make more money than I do. Their back don't hurt like mine does. They're prettier. We always think someone else is prettier than us, don't we? And I tell you, you know what's funny? Even the most beautiful people in the world think that. That's Terry. See, she's thinking it now. <laughs> at least she didn't make the <clears throat> sound. <laughs> but everybody thinks that. Everybody, everybody looks at what's, what they think is wrong. But here's the, here's the foundation for this. Because remember we talked about this great crowd of witnesses... We lay aside the weight that's beside us. We lay this stuff aside. We lay aside the things that keep us from. And so he's saying, pay attention when God speaks. Don't dismiss it. Don't let it go. These are things that are getting in your way. You know, the weights that easily the, the beset you, the sin that easily beset you, the weights that keep us from running the race are these things. And if we don't deal with it as he's speaking to us about them, then we're allowing things in our life That keeps us from the race that God has placed before us. That's how this works together. So sonship, part of being a son of God, requires him to discipline us. We need to welcome it. How many of you have ever prayed this? I'm not encouraging you to do this, but how many of you have ever prayed this? Say, Lord, search me out. Let me know if there be any wicked way in me. I have done that. It was a rough ride. (laughs) For me, maybe it wouldn't for you guys because you all But for me, it was a rough ride. I was like, holy mackerel, I didn't know that was in there. (laughs) And God began to peel some of that stuff off. The frightening part is, what didn't he talk to me about yet? And so we should welcome it. Let him speak to us. It doesn't matter if I want it. It matters what he's up to with my life, right? Mm Right. And so the discipline of the Lord teaches us to endure. See, it, it identifies dangerous areas. He's telling us about dangerous things, and it allows us to endure. Because, <laughs> how many of you ever—well, don't you don't have to raise your hands? How many of you have ever had a cavity in a tooth that was made your teeth hurt? Right, and then the dentist—you go to the dentist, and he fixes it, and he actually does a good job. And there's relief, right? You can't let decay go and have it get better. It doesn't get better on its own. It gets better with extraction. And that's what he's trying to do. And that's part of our sonship, our relationship with God. And so discipline causes or caused us to respect our earthly fathers, didn't it? You know, when when they, you know, I'll tell you back in the day when, when they said, you better not do this or this will happen. And we did it. It happened. It happened. They were consistent. Sometimes more consistent than we would have liked. But it happened. And it tells, and what I learned from that is, when God says something, he's going to do it. We know God will, if our own parents will. You know, today we see this, you know, you do that one more time, and they do it again, and well, listen, this is your last chance, and it's constantly the last chance. So when we go to that child as they get older and we share Christ with them, they go, well, why should I? Because I'll have another chance. It teaches them, it prepares them to receive... Salvation, discipline of the parents. Listen, if it caused us to reflect, uh, to um, respect our earthly fathers, shouldn't it have the same effect between us and the Lord? Because what he's given us is life. Shouldn't it cause us respect for him when he brings discipline? Listen, a father's discipline develops good behavior. It will. That's how it flows out. You know, this was the whole thing with the exchange life. Did you like? Well, does behavior not matter? No, it absolutely matters. It's the source from which it flows. And here, the source is God. And when our behavior is not flowing based upon bad behavior or sinful or contrary to God's word, behavior does not flow from God or His word. It flows from us. It flows from our flesh. And we want that to flow from Him. And so the Lord's discipline in us reveals holiness. It develops and reveals holiness. You know, we used to have this 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 discussion and debate about what is the primary characteristic of God a lot of people would say love and we had there was two camps there was love and holiness I was of the camp of holiness I don't mean I'm right because I think his love flows out of his holiness you could say his holiness flows out of his love but I don't know The other seems to make more sense to me. You guys can debate that over lunch today. But God's developing holiness in you. That's a cool thing. The time of application of discipline, it seems not to be sorrowful but joyful. But if you receive it, you'll have the peaceful fruit of righteousness. I've said this before. Kids like to be spanked. Right, kids? (laughs) So apparently, some have learned sarcasm. I don't have any idea where they would have learned that from. We do, because kids want to know that the rules hold. They want to know they're real. You know, you can demonstrate grace every now and then, but they need to know the rules are there for a reason. And that they hold. And so, he disciplines us. But it's joyful in the end because the fruit of righteousness is demonstrated. So because you're a son, because God loves you, He's going to discipline you, so don't miss the opportunity to become aware of what God sees going on in our life and grow and grow because of that. Now listen, learn to discern the voices. You're a terrible person. You're bad. You're awful. You're you're a horrible Christian. You, how could you even act like that? Look, if the pastor only knew. (laughs) You know what I hear? How could you have had that thought? If the congregation only knew. Let me tell you something about your thought life. How many of you enjoy a big bowl of ice cream? The chocolate syrup on there? That sounds good. Why don't we just skip lunch and go off and go have ice cream today? <laughs> Have you just thought of ice cream? Anybody? Mm-hmm. Who put that thought in your mind? It's you. <laughs> I <didn't. laughs> you, I didn't do that. <laughs> right. You didn't. But you had a thought that was in your mind that was not your own. You're exactly right. And the enemy can do that too. And then come along and try to bring condemnation in your life because of a thought he put in your head we need to learn to discern this stuff. I just showed you how it works. He's really good at it. He's got 6,000 years of practice. And he knows us sometimes better than we know ourselves. And so just because you think it don't mean it's true and it don't mean it came from you. And so we need to learn to deal with that. You know, looking at the discipline of the Lord... There's three things that we take away from this. When God engages you in a corrective way, do not react by moving away from Him. He's actually trying to make it possible for you to move closer. Don't run away, move closer. Two. See past the sorrow associated with the correction to the benefit you will... The benefit, so you will be able to embrace it. If I see what God's doing, even though it's like, "Oh, I missed it, I missed it," but I see the reason He showed me, then I can embrace the lesson and grow from it. Because the mistake and the lesson become fodder for spiritual growth. But what we want, the enemy wants to do is render us completely stationary. Listen, the only place that stationary should ever exist is at Office Depot. Never in the body of Christ or in our own lives. Three, realize the discipline of the Lord will lessen If you choose to resist sin instead of making allowances for it, we have a tendency to dismiss our own sin instead of dealing with it. Well, just, you know, it's the way it is. So, I'm just that way. You ever heard (coughs) that one? I love that one. Fantastic. I was born like that. (coughs) Well, maybe you'd be born again. That's just the way the world works. Let me tell you something. Jesus Christ is above this world. He created him. And if he can't handle the situation, then your Jesus is too small. You have a problem. And if your Jesus is too small that he can't handle it and you've got to do it for him, then you need to get your faith and and your attitude checked. That starts right here with me too. I'm preaching to myself, just like Amy. My Jesus is big enough to handle all of it. Amen. There's nobody that can touch me, do anything to me without permission. We see that with Job. Even the devil himself can't touch us. And we're worried about some blustery individual or place or trying to get some pair of pants returned. What? That we're going to blow our faith on somebody that may need, might be going through a hard time, and that might be why they're cantankerous with you. Instead of seeing the spiritual, we see the behavior. We need to see past the fleshly things of this world unto the spiritual things. We're missing, ladies and gentlemen. We're missing our opportunities because we're so self-absorbed that we can't. See the force for the truth. We don't like the way we're being treated. It's all about me. And we don't see at all why it's happening. That's for me too. I'm with you. God's applying that to some things in my life right now as I'm speaking. And that's fantastic. I'm so glad I came. <laughs> Hey man, this is a real journey for me too. I am with you. I mean, we're doing this arm in arm. This is not smart me telling you. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's an oxymoron if I've ever heard one. We have a tendency of dismissing our own sin still so dealing with it. I think it's time to stop doing that. You know, I read this story this week. No animals were actually injured during this story. Okay? But this woman was out edging her yard and her cat walked up. And she didn't see the cat and she cut the cat's tail off. And so she ran and got her husband and said, hey, I just cut the cat's tail off She said, uh, you know, what do we do? He goes, go scoop up the cat, scoop up the tail. Let's get in the car. We're going to Walmart. She said, we're going to Walmart. Why? And he said, they're the largest retailer in the world. (laughs) Now, if you don't want your story to end like a flop, like this story did, we need to pay attention to the We need to pay attention. I don't want my life to be a bad joke. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> But you know, we have the opportunity now to pay attention and know why he's speaking to us as part of the journey. Welcome. I'm going to say everybody bow their head and close their eyes.